This, this is the Miller Lite Cowboys Hour. Supported by Albertson and Omni Hotels and Resorts. Brought to you by Miller Lite, the only beer of the Cowboys. It's Miller time. Albertsons and Tom Thumb, the official supermarket and pharmacy of the Dallas Cowboys. Choose VA. Veterans get the benefits you've earned. Visit choose.va.gov. And by GEICO. 15 minutes can save you 15% or more on car insurance. Now, your hosts, Shannon Gross and Brad Shan. And welcome, everyone. And there's not a dry eye in the house. Because this is our final <sighs> Cowboys Hour of the season. It's been a hell of a run, Brad. It's been great. It's I, been great. I enjoyed it. Yeah, I did too. That's kind of normally the thing you would say like at the end of the show. Oh, my bad. We're just starting right my now. My bad, my bad. So uh, <laughs> uh, we were hoping that we were going to have more shows. Um, and we're not going to have more shows. Now, we've all been through that before, but it still becomes disappointing. Uh, and so uh, here we are still uh, in our nearly hermetically sealed uh, Cowboys podcast studio. But what a what a way to bring down the curtain mm-hmm. on the season. One of the uh, one of the most respected men in the NFL happens to be the Cowboys vice president of player. What is it? What's Player the personnel. personnel? Yeah. Procurement, development. Development. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, it's Will McClay, ladies and gentlemen. Let's Will go, Will. McClay. So, A, now, we we asked Will to do this before the game, so this was not a— this, It's a setup, yeah. This was not a, mer- <laughs> was not a, a mercy guesting, uh, but—, but um, look, we all suffered through that each in our various ways, and we thank you for—I know it's been a long— a long day after a short night uh, for you, and I really appreciate uh, your being with us and visiting with everyone. We we appreciate all of you who have listened uh, throughout the season and are with us on the Cowboys Radio Network and streaming whenever you're streaming it on DallasCowboys.com. And uh, thank you for being with us. So, um, yeah, I really don't want to put you through a whole uh, – a whole more rehash of of because you've been through that, but I'll ask you a couple of things sure. about the about that process, mm-hmm. okay? Um, because it's well, no. First, let me back up the truck. Congratulations on your new contract or your extension or whatever that was that they did. They thank you. I mean, it was. It, I, I got a goal uh, when you're here. Um, it's to win, and we want to try and I'm gonna give it everything we got to. Hoist up that trophy for for Jerry, for the Cowboy fans, and whatever my part is that I can do in that, I want to try and be great at that, and that's the number one goal. And uh, you know, keeping my son here, and you know, the important things in life. Well, you've been awful dead gum good at it, and I know because I hear from them uh, that Cowboy fans are really happy that you are sticking around and doing this for a while because you're a sought after guy. A lot of people would like to have you. Maybe I'll just start with that a little bit as we're going through the interview process. We're going to be reading in the coming days about. About uh, Kellen Moore and Dan Quinn interviewing for head coaching jobs, we've already been uh, reading about it, and it seemed like I, I don't know if they actually gave you an extension or just announced that you were agreeing to. I don't know. I don't know what happened, but it kind of took all of the conversation of why don't some of these teams interview Will McClay for general manager jobs? Took it off the burner. Is that kind of what you were looking for? That's kind of what I, you know, at the end of the season, we know that these things are going to come about. Um, and I'm, um, 
more in the mode of staying here, continuing here, and continuing to try and do uh, what our job is, is to win a Super Bowl and do my part within that. So as it started to come down, I knew some things were going to happen. Um, Steven and Jerry knew as well. We talked about it in uh, in training camp and uh, we kind of went through the season, you know, nose to the grindstone. And so when the it got toward the end of the season um, and I had conversation with Steven and said, let's talk. And about the time we started talking, I think a couple of, uh, of, of flips came in, and but we were done by then. Okay. Flips meaning? Slips. You know, slips. Yeah. People, we'd like to interview. Him. Yes. Okay, good. Well, th- thank you for whatever whatever it was you did. Thank you on behalf of Cowboy fans for you doing that. Now, um, it's clear that for uh, many years, more than just the how it was it eight or nine that you've had this title, something like but that. But more yeah. than that, you've had a voice in the room. Clearly, the organization um, trusts you and respects your opinion, and so because of that, I think every fan imagines, as I do. That when a game like that, let alone a season, ends, um, they want to know why, and you're one of the people that they want to tell them yeah. why, right? So just t- what was that like? Did you meet with both of them after the game yes. last night? Yes. Yeah, what was that like? Uh, it was, uh, you know, what we could have done, uh, what went wrong, you know, it's discussions about all those things. and um, But to Jerry and Steven's credit, it's um, – they looked at the situation. The disappointment was there, but it's right back to business. And how do we get better? I mean, really, that's all you can do because there's 31 teams that at some point in time are going to go home in the last game and not be excited about it. But it's what steps are we taking? What are we doing to try and continue to uh, capitalize on the momentum that we have from a season where you're, you know, 12 and five? Um, but uh, also trying to figure out what we can do to get better. Everybody who follows the team was hopeful that uh, there would be more games. And I think it's also fair to say, I, I hope it's fair to say, because I said it on the radio yesterday as we were signing off the broadcast, the, the things that went wrong yesterday were manifestations of all of the things we've seen for the last two months. There wasn't anything new. There weren't any big surprises. Um, there were some things that you, you hoped would go better that didn't go better, but the things that went wrong weren't new. So in these conversations about what went wrong, were they specific to the game, or are, are you guys already talking about, you know what, let's look – and I, my, my suspicion is you've been doing this for a while, but, you know, the – we, we see bad trends here. We see things here that we need to correct. We're going to hope that we can cover them up with other strengths. But we know when we're just – it's just us sitting around talking, we know what our warts are. Would Have those conversations been going on? Well, and do you agree with that assessment? Yes, they've been ongoing because what you do is if you have a problem, you're looking for the root of that problem and you're trying to correct that problem. And through the course of playing 17 games and different opponents each week, you know, you got to go in. Number one, we got to handle our business and take care of the preparation side of it. And then you go out and you have to execute that. And so, um, you know, when you don't – perform as well as you should have you're going to look at all those situations and like you said what are the trends what are you know are there mistakes being made by who and you know who you know how often do they make those mistakes and what's the issue there and you know going through all of those things is it's it's uh it's a part of it um i i chuckled and you know this because i told it to you when was it new orleans when 
Mike missed the game, mm-hmm. and Dan was on the field, and so you were down there yes. with him, and everybody made a big deal about, oh, look, Will McClay's come down and he's coaching. He, he was a coach before he did any of this other stuff. So that you, you know all about doing that. And so the only thing that I want to ask you about that has a little bit to do with yesterday but more with the season mm-hmm. uh, is penalties because you played the game, you've coached the game, you now evaluate players and coaches as part of your job. And and so I think my question is, you know, you, it's everybody's going to commit penalties. You don't necessarily have to lead the league. Mm-hmm. Uh, what can be done about penalties? I, I think you have to work on things technique-wise. Um, and then, you know, at the end of the day, if there's a, a, a character that's committing more of those penalties, you have to figure out what to do. You have to replace that. You have to do something. But you start with trying to work with technique. Um, you start at looking at, you know, the, the different things to make that player because they're in the league for a reason. They have the ability to do it. We've seen them do it on the positive side. It's like, what is it? And so you try and just figure out what it is. And we had a number of penalties, and it was uh, from guys trying to do too much sometimes. I think sometimes you go through it and you look at it and you go, boy, there's an intense amount, immense amount of pressure on, and players put it on themselves to do the right thing and to not be the GOAT. And sometimes you get caught and you are the GOAT. What Talk me through and the, and the fans through. You start off so good at the beginning of a year, and you, you've been around for a long time around football, and these things happen. There's ebbs and flows in the season, mm-hmm. and you start off hot and you end cold, or you start off cold and you, you end hot. What what contributes to – I mean, this team started off gangbusters. Offensively, it looks like you wouldn't be able to slow them down. And coming into the season, the defense was the big question, and then all of a sudden – that kind of flips. Are there reasons, or there? And then you, you end the season relatively healthy. You had pretty much everybody on the field, which is what you want to do towards the end of the season. And certain things just didn't click. What are those conversations like behind the scenes, and, and what causes you know starts and stalls and all that kind of stuff? I mean, you, you as a team, when you have you know uh, you have seventeen games and you get into a rhythm uh, when you start the season. Uh, a lot of teams, you know, everybody's unfamiliar, okay? And so as the season goes along, people understand what you're trying to do, what you're trying to do to stop them, and what your players can do. So as the season evolves, you know, you're going to hit those bumps in the road, and it's how you overcome those. And, you know, it's about, um, you know, and as you said, I've coached before. It's, it's, it's To me, it's never about coaching uh, being the full reason we all – you know, to have a piece, you know, I'll have something to do with this and players have to execute and we have to find right, you know, right ways to use our players and the right schemes. And so you go through it and trying to find out. And so there's the ups and downs and the ebbs and flows. And, you know, at one point in time, it was like four games in a row. We had four turnovers defensively and we were going back and forth and playing off of each other. Uh, and then you form an identity as to who your team is, who our team is, is we have, Talented players. Uh, we have a talented team. We are very inconsistent. We uh, have done some. You know, we we were inconsistent to uh, not finish what we needed to finish, and that's um, that's on all of us. You know, I, I just that's the best way to put it. It's on everybody that's had their hand in it to try and improve it. The players, the coaches, the scouts, everybody. Uh, the the defensive identity and the turnovers leads me into one of my most enjoyable Will McClay lines of conversation, but I think we have to take a break. 
first. Ooh, what a cliffhanger. That's a, that, that's a tease right, right there. I think, But now Will's known me long enough that he probably knows what's coming. But um, in any case, uh, we will have more with Will McClay in just a moment when we come back. And Will, when it comes time to shop for tailgate favorites, go to Albertsons and Tom Thumb. Get 10% off your groceries every Dallas Cowboys game day when you wear your Cowboys jersey. Albertsons and Tom Thumb is the official supermarket and pharmacy of the Dallas Cowboys. And the Miller Lite Cowboys Hour is also brought to you by Lou Casey, the official bootmaker of the Dallas Cowboys cheerleaders. Will McClay is our guest on our final Cowboys Hour of the season, and we'll be right back. Cowboys Hour, supported by Albertsons and Omni Hotels and Resorts. 
And welcome back to the Miller Lite Cowboys Hour, our final program of the season. Sad to say, Brad Sham, Shannon Gross, our very special guest, Cowboys Vice President Will McClay. And we were just talking before we go into what has rapidly become my very favorite portion of this program. You just wait, Will McClay. Okay. But before we get to that, we were talking about identity, and we were talking about, uh, and, and Will, you mentioned uh, defense and takeaways, and and so that I think that there are not enough people who uh, know you were a defensive back at Rice. Mm-hmm. And uh, was it just one game that you covered Michael Irvin in college? It was college? just one game, yeah. It was only one. How'd, how'd you do? Uh, I thought I did okay. Uh, it was Rice playing against University of Miami, so right, right. You know, it was all relative. Does, did, when, <laughs> whenever, whenever you uh, started with the organization here, when we run into Michael, did Michael even remember you oh, yeah. covering him? Oh, oh yeah, well, I mean, we talked about it uh, because it was one of the hottest games ever in Southwest Conference. Well, you know, back in the day, yeah, it was, you know, Rice Stadium. It was like 105 in the. The, the rubber on your cleats was melting, and they were whooping our butt, and I got kicked out of that game because I got into a fight with a, an offensive lineman who blocked me out of bounds. and They didn't throw the ball very much when, they, when Miami played Rice, so me and Mike didn't have too many confrontations. Yeah, they, but so you lost your composure. A little bit. I was defending <laughs> def- the, defending the R on my helmet. <laughs> okay, okay, fair enough. Because because the, there wasn't much success doing it on the field. <laughs> no. All right. Um. And and I just want people to. Uh, in fact, I think I'm going to let Shannon go first, and then we're going to get into a, a little bit about how you got here, and then we'll we'll still look forward a little bit. But this is. This is something Shannon Gross has brought to the Cowboys Hour. It has become his baby and my very favorite. Now, keep in mind, if this were not in COVID times, Uh we would not be sitting in this most beautifully appointed, cozy little studio down here in the in the bowels of the star, if the star in fact has bowels, I think it's too elegant to have bowels. <laughs> no. But nonetheless, when we have plexiglass in between us, we would be in front of a live audience, and the Miller Lite Cowboy Hour would provide Miller Lite oh. to Shannon, to the guest also, if that was requested. But in this segment, mm-hmm. I'll let you explain it to him. So this is the Miller Lite moment of the show, Will. Okay. And what I do is I pull up your Wikipedia page, and then we fact check it. Okay. So, which, by the way, normally I skip around and I highlight things, but, like, I think our fan base knows who you are, uh-huh. and I know they know who you are, and they love you, and they, they're, like Brad put it earlier, they are so happy that you are back with the organization, and I but I don't know if they really know about your past. Like, there I we go. I didn't know about that story. Because we've because because we we've we have we have traveled yeah. together. We 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 yeah. That's why I told the story. Yeah, I know because I, I know a lot of people don't know it. So I'm not going to skip around. I'm going to read your full basically your full Wikipedia page because there's some good stuff in here. And so. by the way, here is where the Miller Lite mm-hmm. part comes in. Whenever Wikipedia would make a mistake, uh-huh. and you would say to Shannon, "No, that's not right." I drink. Shannon would oh. have some Miller Lite. Okay. So now, last week you had strawberry soda. What do you got in the cup? Anything? I have um, Diet Mountain Dew. Diet Mountain Dew. Yeah. It'll be the so, but it's still the Miller Lite moment. Yeah. So, I won't be getting drunk, but you know, 
but we'll, we'll fact check. So we will start. It says, Will McClay was born October 13th. I'll skip the year just in case you're sensitive to your age. 1966. <laughs> okay, they got that right. And you're vice president of player personnel for the Dallas Cowboys. Previously, you were a head coach of the Dallas Desperados of the Arena Football League. How are we doing so far? Correct. Okay. All right, that's easy. So it gets a little more difficult as we go. Uh, Will McClay was born on October 13th, 1966 in Memphis, Tennessee, but you grew up outside of Houston, Texas. You attended Missouri City Junior High and Marion Christian High School. You went on to play football at Rice University where you earned a bachelor's degree in political science. Correct. Close enough. Anyway. Close enough. Okay. Yeah. Well, you had, you had to think about that yeah, for a minute. Yeah, did. It's been a long time since I got my degree and used anything to do with uh, a rice education. <laughs> Your uh, football career, it says, took off as a player at Rice University where you started all four years of your collegiate career, 85 through 88, as a DB. In 1988, you were picked up by the Arena Football League Football Detroit Drive where you played as a wide receiver and DB for four seasons. Your most impressive year was your last year in 1992 when you racked up 34 tackles and one interception. And by the end of your playing career, well, that was impressive. <laughs> you had helped the drive win three Arena League football titles and four appearances. Correct. But I don't know how many people listening to us have seen Arena League football. It's not easy to get interceptions in that. League. No, it's not. No. So, no. I mean, I'll say that anyway. I would say, hey, you had an interception. So, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yes. Would you define your playing career? Were you a were you a speedy guy or were you a physical guy? I was a cerebral guy. Really? Yeah. You really I could figure went it to all Rice out. for crying out loud. I could figure it all out. It's like getting there is was the issue. <laughs> <laughs> Having your body catch up with your Oh mind. wait. Oh hold on. So now the job that you do now, would you rather have a guy who could figure it out but had trouble getting there or a guy who could get there but didn't know what to do when he got there? Guy who could get there and didn't know what to do when he got there because that's the uh, job of those that are uh, paid to do that is to try and figure out what he can do best. As long as you do it fast and hard, we'll find a way to at I, least look at you. I was I was uh, at a I'm I'm going into the wayback machine, but it's appropriate for this. I was uh, at a dinner in Canton, Ohio, a club dinner with Tex Ram and a bunch of coaches. In it must have been 1983, and uh, the Cowboys were playing in the Hall of Fame game, and Shram wanted them to draft Daryl Green. And he, he didn't interfere in that. The, the scouts did it and the coaches did it. And he was arguing with Ermel Allen. You remember Ermel mm-hmm. Allen? Ermel Allen was with an assistant for Bear Bryant at Kentucky a long time and finished his career working for Tom Landry. And uh, they may or may not have been uh, served an adult beverage somewhere along the way. And, and Schramm was still irate months later that the Cowboys had not drafted Daryl Green. And Ermel Allen said, he, he's, I'm going to paraphrase, but he said, he's too small. He used a word that's not socially acceptable right now, but he said, he's too small. And what would we, where would he play at that size? And Shram pounded the desk and he said, that's a coaching problem. And that's what you're saying. <laughs> give me the guy, give me the guy who can get there. Doesn't know what to do. Now it's a coaching problem, right? That's a personnel kind of uh, 
<laughs> Cover up. Hey, it's coach's problem. No. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sorry, didn't I just that story is one of my favorites. No, okay, absolutely. Ahead. You jump in here anytime, Brad. This is your show. No, yeah, but it's your segment. Okay. It's not my show, it's our show. <laughs> After your career as a player, you got an opportunity to serve as the drive secondary and special teams coach in nineteen ninety three, and you took two separate stints as a defensive coordinator for the Milwaukee Mustangs and the Florida Bobcats. Uh, you moved into the management side of football in 97, where you served as both the defensive coordinator and the director of player personnel for the Anaheim Piranhas. And you took the job as an assistant head coach and director of player personnel of the Grand Rapids Rampage in 98-99. Correct. There's a lot of dates. I'm throwing a lot of dates in there. Yeah, and it's you're talking 90s, late 90s. Yeah. But, but you did all of those jobs all for those, all of those yeah, teams. I did all those yeah. jobs. Do you have any of the gear left? Piranhas, rage. I do a little bit, a little bit. What my son hadn't gone through in his younger days, or, or um, my ex-wife made rags out of. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I found this interesting because I did not know this. I didn't. I didn't know a lot of the teams that I knew you were in the uh, in the arena league, but I didn't know a lot of the teams. But it says McClay moved on to the XFL, where you became the director of player personnel, consultant, and scout for the Orlando Rage. Yes. All right. You finally made the jump into the NFL as the assistant director of pro scouting for the Jacksonville Jaguars in 2001, where your main job was to scout teams that Jacksonville did not play that year in attempt to advance scouting information. Correct. Whatever that means. Okay. You then moved on to the Dallas Cowboys player personnel department only to finally come full circle as the D coordinator for the Arena League Dallas Desperados. That's kind of backwards. Yeah, I came here from Jacksonville, so you would be drinking, uh, and um, I coached the. Uh, I was the defensive coordinator for the great Joe Evazano at first, and then what I did was I continued scouting because the arena season was in the off season in the NFL, and then I would come and I would do pro scouting for Cowboys. Okay. Um, 2002, you served as the inaugural defensive coordinator, and that's where you would stay until the beginning of 2004 season, where you were thrust into the role as head coach just days before the season. You would remain head coach for the next five seasons, where you accumulated an overall record of 55-28-1 and a 1-3 postseason record. You currently work for the Dallas Cowboys as the vice president of player personnel. That is correct. All right. That's good stuff. And there you go. There's your Miller Lite moment of the show. I just learned a lot about oh, McClay. But there's more. Uh, you were coach of the year in the Arena League one year. Yes, they don't have that in there? How they could they not put there. that in there? I asked them to take it out. Yeah, but no, they, I'm going to go amend it because you know anybody can go put anything they want on Wikipedia. Oh, really? Yeah. So h- here, fix that. I don't know. How, did, you ever, did you ever see much arena football? I did. Not a lot. I didn't keep up with it, but I was around. I, I'm old enough I, to have, I I I was so lucky that they asked me to do some of those games, and uh, Will was working with Joe Avizano, mm-hmm. as he said, and then uh, uh, then Will became the head coach. And I just don't understand how you could be a defensive coordinator in the Arena League. Glutton for punishment, you know. <laughs> I mean, how do you how do you play I accept defense? the challenges? Hey, you you had to find a way, and I, I, we were we were pretty good at it. Um, you know, during the time when I was there because of the players that we had and we tried to come up with a few different things to stop that crazy game where, you know, it's meant to – you're meant to pass the ball 60 times and throw for 500 yards and play no defense. But we played pretty good defense. Um, before we take our next break, um, tell a Joe Avizano story that we can repeat. 
the first game, uh, uh, the, the first game that we had as a franchise. We were playing in Los Angeles, I think it was, and Joe's a very dapper, dapper guy. And uh, so after the game, you can't repeat this story. I can repeat some of it <laughs> in a way. I was there <laughs> after the game. We're we're getting dressed in the locker room and. Joe's losing his mind, and he had a very vivid use of the English language in a curse word kind of deal. Uh, and he's making all this noise, and we're going, what the hell is going on? And uh, we go in there, and Joe's putting on his clothes, but he cut his finger, and so he got blood on his pants, and he lost his mind. And that's when I first, because coaching with him, I you know I'd heard he had had a temper, but he was really good with me. But when he got blood on his pants, I was like, I don't want to mess with that. Do, no. do you mind if I elaborate just <laughs> a little? Ahead. May I have your permission? Yes, you, yes. I think they lost the game. Yes, we close lost game. It. Yes. Joe Avizano is the only man. I announced the game, <laughs> came down in the locker room. Joe's the only man I ever saw that his pants were the last thing he put on. Yep. I'm talking about. I'm talking about crisp. New starched white shirt, yeah. necktie, tied, shoe underwear, shoes and socks. Pants were the last things. And I don't really think it was the pants. I think that his tie was hanging on a hook, and he cut his finger. Trying and to get it, right. And it, trying to get to his tie. And it got not on his pants. It got on his brand new starched, crisp white shirt. Blood on the shirt. And he I was in the army. He 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 created combination, compound curse words. Unbelievable. That I had Unbelievable. never heard anything like that. It. It, it was it was beyond funny. It was awe inspiring. I'm glad you told that story. Uh, yeah, it, That's, it, it inspired me to learn how to curse. Right? Yeah, yeah. But but Joe was better than all of us. All right, we'll, we'll take another quick break and be back with more with Will McClay. And at the Omni Frisco Hotel, kick off your stay at the official hotel of the Dallas Cowboys with style. Cool off in the elevated pool, savor upscale comfort food and neighborhood services, and enjoy all the dining and entertainment options the star has to offer. Visit omnihotels.com slash Frisco to learn more and turn the next home game into a weekend getaway. And... The Miller Lite Cowboys Hour is brought to you in part by Papa John's. Better ingredients, better pizza. Papa John's, the official pizza of the Dallas Cowboys. We'll be right back with Will McClay.
to the Miller Lite Cowboys Hour, supported by Albertsons and Omni Hotels and Resorts. Welcome back, Brad Sham, Shannon Gross, and our special guest, Cowboys Player Personnel Vice President Will McClay. Uh, we've we have learned a little bit more about Will McClay. We did. Thank Evan you, Will, for. Uh letting us into your life well thank you yeah for getting most of it right i i i I would love to hear you talk uh, for a little bit about how um your experiences in the arena league informed your uh scouting because you didn't really coach in the nfl Mm -hmm. but how did that inform the your your uh, approach to your job with the with an nfl team Football is football. I mean, it might be played in a box. There might be eight people. There might be 11, but it's leverage and angles and, you know, it's space and time. And so you look at players. Uh, like In arena football, we had to find guys to play both ways. And so that was a unique thing for me is like – you know, we had gone, you know, football had evolved to where now it was one, you know, one side of the ball or the other. Well, with arena football, part of its draw was that guys had to play both ways. So you're looking for certain attributes. So I had to break down how a defensive lineman would, what skills it would take to play an offensive lineman. And so those things, analyzing the movement, analyzing the technique, analyzing different body types, those sort of things. Uh, and then, um, because we were trying to win games in arena football, it was about players. So I spent a lot of time talking to personnel people within the league to try and find players. And that's when I really got uh, really interested more so in the player side of it because we would talk players and we would talk about different things and that kind of formulated. And I spent a lot of time in the XFL with uh, former Cowboy Scout, God rest his soul, Dick Mansberger. Oh, yeah. Who, wow taught me a lot of things uh, about the scouting side of it, too. So uh, I, the, the roots come from the Arena Football League, and you're trying to find players. All right, I got a two-part question. Yeah. One, first part is, do you enjoy – did you enjoy coaching more or the scouting aspect? Coaching, coaching. Because being in it every day uh, with the players and you're trying to accomplish a goal and you, at the end of each week – you get to see what you you know the lesson plan you put out if they got it if it worked the whole deal and it's it's the interaction with the young guys and and, and coming coming up with a plan as a scout you write it up you talk about the guys that you you know want or you think should be there and then you know if you get them then you know you're done you know you, your your influence on how they use their abilities is over with you can say i see the abilities now it's somebody else's job to get it out of them all right so the second part is you mentioned earlier you were a cerebral player mm-hmm. and there's a guy on our team that <clears throat> when we drafted him this year i thought he was just a really physical good player and i've been fortunate enough to be around him a little bit and have realized that he's sneaky smart in a in a sponge, and that's Micah Parsons. Yeah. Did you guys know that he was going to be as smart as he is football wise, and, and or, or is that kind of a surprise once you got him in the building? Yeah, it was a, well because you you try and figure out what they know from their college 
you know, playing days. So we put him on the board and talked to him and spent a lot of time with him, and he knew what he was doing there. But uh, to be put in all the different spots and to be able to understand and execute all the stuff he's done, we didn't know that that was there. We knew the physical ability was there, and that's the unique part about scouting. We ask people about players, and they tell you, and it's all relevant to what they're doing. When we get them here, it's a whole different ball game. So to see him pick up all those things and do those things, that's an, an added bonus to being Superman physically on some of the things he can do. How <clears throat> let, me, let me see if I can ask this in a way that it might get an answer. I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if, you were, if you were in absolute charge, I mean, a mm-hmm. title is a title, mm-hmm. but yeah. Uh, how much input is the right amount of input for coaches to have in selecting players? Coaches know what they want. Um, they know football players. They watch football the whole time. Now, um, coaches at times will think that they can correct a player or they can fix a player or they can get something that maybe they don't have all the information. I think that's why our process, I believe, is one of the best is because – we involve the coaches. We hear their input. We involve all the scouts. We, Jerry and Steven hear all the information. And it's a collective process because I don't know everything about every position and about every player. The area guy is going to come and give you information. And somebody else, without knowing that information, is going to watch the tape. So a collective process helps gets us closer to, to the right answer, I think. And I think that's the benefit. That's the benefit of our process and what we do. And that's why I love it being here and doing that is because you got, you don't have an ego. As long as you don't have an ego and you admit that when you're right and when you're wrong. And that's what I continue to tell guys because we, we're betting on people. So our process, the more collective our process is and you filter the information that you need, the better we'll be at what we do. Who's a guy that you said you guys bet on people. Who's a guy that you, you bet on that, no, maybe no one else saw what you saw, and it and it hit and paid off. Is there anybody that stands out that was like, "That's my that's my war room story" or my my scouting story? Uh, I think more of those have come from the pro side. You know, when we bring in free agents. It's mm-hmm. trying to figure out what guys fit. I remember, you know, when I kind of first started doing this stuff with George Selvey. Uh, was a guy who came in and we didn't, you know, and he performed better than people expected him. Got to him win. off the couch, basically, yeah. didn't? Yeah, he? and we had, you know, and that not only the player, uh, his ability, but then going back to coaching. It's now we've got this player. Now what can we do to get the best out of him? And that's the relationship that um, we formulate with the coaches, and I think has been beneficial to us is to look at guys like that. You know, on the on the college side, I mean, we have free agents that uh, you know, college free agents that come in and they if they were as good as uh you know they ended up being we would have drafted them it's Dak Prescott Dak Prescott was better than you know what we uh what we draft you know where we drafted him at mm-hmm. um is there a natural adversarial relationship between coaches and scouts yeah naturally it is it's because the one side's always going to tell the other side how to do their job. If you don't respect the job that each other's 
does. And I think that's one thing that we continue to try and press is, hey, it's easy for me to sit on the couch and say, oh, or, or you know, open the box and say, oh, we should have done that or we should have done that. You know, and it's easy for a coach to say, well, you know, this player can't do this or that. Well, let's 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 uh, there's a there's a medium in between there. There's a happy medium. And and you hear stories all the time all over the league about one team is heavily, <clears throat> excuse me, coach invested. One is scout invested, and the side that's not invested is always rolling their eyes. Look what they gave me, or look what yeah. they're doing with what I gave them, and yeah. that kind of thing. So what I'm what I think I'm hearing you say is that you have quite intentionally worked pretty hard to develop a system where there's none of that division and everyone's working together and everybody trusts everyone as much as is possible given the nature of your As much as possible. We all have opinions on guys and, you know, everybody's got their own expert lens, but it's giving everybody credit for your expert lens and then saying, well, what about this? And we... I want to be able to see it. If you say something about a player, for college, we, we need to be able to see it on tape. We need to be able to talk about it. And now we need to be able to say, how does that fit into what we do? So it's, it, it's, and it's not just throwing your hands up when you get them. It's, I want to find out how you want to use them. I want our scouts to know how we use these guys so we can get better at it each time because we're betting on people and it's never 100%. And how hard is it? To enforce your own rule when you uh, – and I'm not talking about this team. In fact, I would leave this year's team out mm-hmm. of it uh, for personality's sake. But just uh, institutionally, how hard is it to uh, observe those boundaries if you see a player being used differently than you think everyone agreed on using him? I think you go and you call it out. I mean, just like if we get called out for a mistake, you got to ask the questions. You got to want, okay, why are we using him this way? Because through that conversation, you foster better learning through that conversation. I can find out if, in my opinion, if you know what you're talking about or what, you know, it's, it's, you, you got to foster those conversations to understand where the other person's coming from and how they're going to utilize this player. Okay, one more break, and then we'll be back with a little more with Will McClay. And Will, if you want to use what the pros use, Jack Black is the official men's skincare brand of the Dallas Cowboys. Visit getjackblack.com today. And we'll be back on the Cowboys Hour with Will McClay.
Miller Lite Cowboys Hour, supported by Albertsons and Omni Hotels and Resorts. We are back for the final segment of the season. So sad. It is sad. What will you do with your Monday nights? Drink Miller Lite. Oh, there you go. There you go. A lot more than I do. Right have now, the last in the studio. Eight, 17 weeks. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. Okay, well, I'm Brad Sham, and that's Shannon Gross, and that is Will McClay, the Cowboys. The great uh, Will McClay. The great Will McClay. Uh, and we're talking about uh, all of the all of the things in uh, Will's player acquisition world. You touched on uh, what what's called in the business pro personnel, finding mm-hmm. veteran. I thought one of the things that was unique about this team, I don't remember, you had eight veterans from defensive players from other teams all of them made significant contributions mm-hmm. and all of them until Brent Urban got hurt were in the rotation every one of them yeah. I, I just I don't know when I've ever seen that before how much of that was uh, some coaches knowing a guy and saying I think he can help us how much of it was your pro personnel people saying hey what about this guy it was a combination of the two. The coaches knew, like if a coach knows somebody and says they can play, well, we're still going to do uh, our due diligence to go, hey, if we disagree, we disagree, then show us why. But it goes to Mike and, and Dan saying what they wanted defensively, what we wanted to build. And then when you transition into a new defense, or you tra- you know, you got to have guys that have played the game, and we had holes to fill. We were fortunate that Players wanted to be here at a price that we could afford, and we picked the right guys that could perform that task that we, you know, we hired them to do. The uh, the year that you had, um, which be, people uh, forget because of what happened yesterday, it was a pretty good year. Mm-hmm. It was a pretty good year, and it was yeah. a lot of fun to watch. And when when we talk to the players, they tell us all the time how much they loved being part of this team because of the way they all work together and. The coaching staff and all of that. Uh, does that have a carryover for you when you start looking for veteran free agents next year? Yeah, you want to. You got to know as much as you can about the players you bring into the building because one of the things that Mike talks about that's very, very true, and I believe in a hundred percent. It's the uh, it's the it's the culture of your team because you're going to go through things like. You know, what happened last night and, you know, the ups and the downs and how are people going to react to that and how can you get better and the emotional intelligence of people to be able to handle this crazy NFL world and league and all the different challenges and things that come up. You have to the locker room has to be right. And it's the people that you bring into the locker room that's important. That that's that was actually a great lead in. It's almost like you read my mind, Will. That's it's what he does. Where I was Ooh, going. It's what he does. I heard from it's a short novel. I, <laughs> I heard from. I gave a, you a novel though, but dense. You did, yeah, but, yeah, dense. Yeah, but dense. But uh, dense. That's a word I learned on this show. By yeah, the way. yeah, from yeah. Neville Gallimore yeah. and Zach Martin. Yeah, yeah, they're dense guys. Yes, yes. not dense, dense, but dense, not but. dunce, dense, but you know, thick. So, how I heard from a couple of different people internally that this. Guys that have been here for 30 years, that this was the best locker room that they've ever seen as far as like guys and work ethic and things like that. When you put together a squad like that, and, and this is a very talented team, and just the nature of football, you know a lot of these guys are moving on and mm-hmm. going to be free agents. How hard, how hard is that to swallow 
knowing that you had that this year and it ended the way that it did and then knowing that next year it's going to be a totally different you know you hope the chemistry's there you hope the the guys are good that come back in but is is that is it make it extra tough knowing that you had the right guys in here and just couldn't get it done great question Shannon no I, thank you will it's, it's I got one it took me 17 it's, weeks but it's I got one. it's uh it's a challenge that, that that's why we do our jobs because you know it's going to change and uh, that's why it was important for me to stay personally to stay around this organization and understanding kind of what it is because you have to put people you gotta you know you gotta find the pieces and uh, it is a unique challenge every year is different um, uh, we have but we didn't have talented enough guys because we're not where we're supposed to be. I'm just going to leave it at that. That's mm-hmm. on me. And, and, you know, my crew, we got to get better guys and we've got to do whatever it takes to get over the hump. That's what we're challenged with doing. But uh, it's, yeah. Yeah, the answer to your question is yes. It, it, it sucks. That's yeah, what, that's really, what really bad. Because they're good people. We're, I mean, again, I go back to this. It's people mm-hmm. and you form relationships with these people and you see the things that they go through and you learn what's important to them and the things that they go through i mean there's a lot of good men that won't be in our locker room next year that we've got to replace uh and that gets me to the uh, most difficult uh thing that i think is probably on your plate and most of it falls to you to begin with mm-hmm. you and steven uh because you've got to manage the salary cap and you've got a boatload of really good players who are out of contract. And that's one of them. That's and you were just alluding to uh, the fact that you 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 can't keep them all. Keep and them all. just off the top of my head, we're talking about we're talking about Randy Gregory and Leighton Van Der Esch and Dorrance Armstrong and J. Ron Curse and Carlos Watkins and. Uh, Two wide receivers, and then you've got other veteran Four wide receivers. Four wide receivers. Yeah. Gallup. Yeah, Gallup and Watkins and uh, Wilson. Gallup, Wilson, Brown, and there's one more. Okay, well, I I trust you. I think it's three or four. Oh, uh, Malik is Malik, Malik Turner. Yes, Malik, okay, Malik, Malik. so there you go. Uh, there, I mean, you're gonna lose a lot of good players, mm-hmm. uh, and so how how. What what happens right now? Do you have to first? Well, first of all, do you first have to know who the coordinators are going to be before you can really delve into who the players are going to be? Um, I I think we understand where we're going organizationally, and you want to find good good players, and so uh, we know who's free agents. We we will try and get them uh, at a cost, or at least entertain it, because they you know they don't they think they're going to make a bunch of money, and right. you know some of them will. Uh, but we've got to keep trying to build the team with good players and good people. And then, again, if uh, coaches now can find out what they do best, these guys are on our roster. And we don't – you know, Steven, Steven and Todd and Jerry, they, they do a great job of getting contracts to whereas we can afford to pay some guys with the – that's the NFL nowadays. There's, you know, 10 players on every team at about – What's Jerry saying? Seventy-five to eighty percent of the cap, and it's what you do with those other guys. You have to draft well, you have to develop well, uh, and you got to be lucky, and you got to hit on the right guys in free agency. When you have a guy on your team that's pretty long in his career, and and you're invested in him, and you know maybe there's some injury issues and things like that, how do you out? As far as strategy, how far in advance of knowing that they may be at the end of the road do you start preparing to to 
you know, plug that, fill that hole or, or, or start, you know, cultivating players to take that position. You, you monitor it year by year. So you go through it and every season is a, is a snapshot into who that player is. And sometimes there's rise and sometimes there's decline and sometimes there's injury. And, you know, how hard does the guy work to come back from that injury? But it's all kind of a mastery or at least a, a, a educated guesswork as to when you do it. Because some of these guys are going to go make more money than you can pay. Or, you know, there's guys that are injured now and you have to make a decision and they may recover and, you know, be stars and, you know, for another team. So you, you, you go through it and you try and look at it as a whole, the, the guy's career and everything else, and you kind of put it together and you, uh, and, and you take a educated guess at it and you do what's right for your team. Because there's 21 of them, is that what you said, 21? And so many of them were really important contributors. Is this going to be the hardest year you've experienced yet in uh, trying to keep the pieces you want to keep and then replacing them? Yeah, it's going to be hard because, you know, there is the salary cap and, you know, you have a certain number of picks. Uh, and so how do you fill out the roster with that? We have our work cut out for us, but, you you know, you study it, you look at college free agents, you look at the, you know, all those ways that you can acquire players and you find the right ones. So everybody always asks me this, and I very rarely ask people in the organization this question. I have a feeling my answer is a lot different than yours. What is what is it like working for the Jones family? It's great for me because there's a uh, they foster this family environment, which is important to me. And you know, with your brothers and you know, with your brothers, you fight and you try and find the right way to get along and try and get the answers. And so we come together. They're they're very loyal people. Um, um, they believe in, you know, and having that belief, a Hall of Fame owner, Jerry Jones, has belief in what input I can give him and my group can give him to, you know, to, to build this organization and to try and win Super Bowls. So I, I think the greatest thing about them is that they, when they believe in you, you, you have an opportunity to grow and, 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 you know, do some good things. Thank you for being here. Appreciate your time. Shannon Gross. Thank you for being Brad, here. Brad, thank you for letting me be here this Man, year. Man, what fun. That's great. Let's do it again. Let's do it. Okay, but not, I'm in. But not for several not months. Because this, for the 2021 season, is the cup. This has been a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about this, Cowboys? Yeah!